Good morning, River Rock Bible Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. So glad to see everyone here this morning. Glad you came out. You braved the weather. Nobody's floated away yet. I think the heaviest rains are still yet to come. We are so excited that you are here with us this morning as we continue our Fixer Upper series. We've been talking about remodeling the family by faith. And we started a few weeks ago on Easter as we looked at the roles and the relationships that we have within the family. And then we looked deeper at at what is the role of the husband and the wife and how do they work together. And this week we're diving in with how do we remodel, how do we change our children by faith? How do we change our children by faith? And this is something that's really, really important. I don't think we can over... uh, over, uh, inflate this enough of how important it is. Many of you guys in here are old enough to remember Burt Reynolds. Does anybody remember Burt Reynolds, the mustache? Yeah, some of you younger people are like, the only Burt I know is Burt and Ernie. Uh, well, let me put it this way. He's kind of like the Ryan Gosling of your parents' age, right? So he's the, the good-looking guy that all the guys wanted to be. You know, he's the one that all the girls were like dreaming about. And he was interviewed by People Magazine. He was this big movie star, kind of a man's man. He's the bandit from Smoking the Bandit, the, the Longest Yard, you know, had all these great movies. And uh, just a, a, a guy that, that everybody was like, man, he's the coolest guy around. But he recently did an interview with People Magazine, and he was talking about his relationship with his dad. His dad was a police chief down in Florida when he was growing up, and he was always looking to impress his dad, to get approval from his dad, but he never got it. He never heard his dad say, I love you. And after uh, an injury ended his football career, he told his dad, Dad, I think I, I, think I have a future in acting. My teacher at school thinks I, I have a future in acting. I'm going to be in theater. And his dad said, oh, that's sweet. And that's all he got from his dad. And and throughout this interview, he talks about how the one thing that he wanted to hear from his father was, I love you, and you're doing a good job. And how even as a grown man, as as a successful actor, how the times when he was out womanizing, getting drunk, and carousing with all these people, the one thing he needed to hear from his father is, son, it's time for you to grow up and be a man. You're a man now. You need to grow up. But he never got that from his father. And so he talks about the pain and the void that is in his life. Because even as a grown man, the thing that he desired was a blessing from his father. And I think we can look around us and we can see how important it is for us to receive our parents' approval. Deep down inside each and every one of us is this desire to receive approval, to receive a blessing from our parents. And I think the people who realize that the most are the ones who never got it. And so as we talk this morning, I think there's going to be some things that many of you hear, you're you're hearing these things, and it may bring up some, some very difficult emotions, but I want you to stick with it. I want you to understand how important it is that you be the one, perhaps to break the cycle in your family, that your kids wouldn't miss out on the blessing, because that blessing is so important. We see it from a very young age. Uh, we've got all the way from from a toddler, my little baby girl. She's 19 months old. Uh, We've got this picture of her sitting in a rocking chair. And I just remember she climbed in that rocking chair all by herself. And then she looked to mommy and daddy to see if we were proud of her. I just remember her, you know, saying, oh, Evie, such a great job getting in that chair all by yourself. And she was so proud of herself. The very first thing she did was look to mom and dad. It's the the kid who comes home from elementary or middle school and he's got his report card 
and he hands it to mom and he's standing there and he's looking to see what is mom and dad's expression on their face. Are they pleased with the work that I have done? Are they proud of me? It's prom season, right? It's prom season now. So it's the teenager who gets all dressed up and comes downstairs and says, mom, dad, how do I look? Mom says, honey, you're beautiful. And dad says, you're not leaving the house in that dress. It's the first time you buy your home and you call your parents and you can't wait for them to come see the home that you've bought and and you're just so excited because the one thing you want to hear is, son, I'm so proud of you. You have a beautiful home. Congratulations. We all long for that approval. We all long for that blessing from our parents. And what we're going to look at this this morning is is a, a model for that blessing. We're actually going to be in Genesis chapter 27. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 27, and we're going to look at the model of this blessing to give you a little bit of background of where we are this morning. Uh, in Genesis 27, we have Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. They're twins. Esau was actually the oldest son, and so by birth and by custom, he was the one who should have received his father's blessing. He should have received the inheritance. But Jacob, whose name means the deceiver, he was a tricker. And so he tricks his brother earlier on in the story out of his birthright. He steals the birthright from his brother, but his dad doesn't know it. And so his dad is on his deathbed. Isaac is there. He knows the time is coming for him to die soon. And so he sends his favorite son, Esau, out into the field. And he says, son, go hunt some game for me and make some of that delicious stew that you make and bring it to me that I may eat it and then I'll bless you. Well, Jacob and his mom had other plans. Jacob's kind of the mama's boy. And so they had other plans for Jacob to be the one to receive the blessing. And so they tricked their father. And then after they trick him and he receives the blessing that was meant for Esau, Esau shows up. Esau comes in. And that's where we are in verse 30. It says this. It says, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had left the presence of his father Isaac, His brother Esau arrived from the hunt. He had also made some delicious food and brought it to his father. Then he said to his father, Let my father get up and eat some of his son's game so that you may bless me. But his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? Now this is kind of a weird question, but if you go back earlier in the story, we read that Isaac is very old and his eyes were failing. So he's blind, so he really can't see who his son is. He doesn't know who he is. And he says, He answered, I am Esau, your firstborn. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably. Who was it then, he said, who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it before you came in, and I blessed him. Indeed, he will be blessed. Now listen to this. When Esau heard his father's words, he cried out loud with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me too, my father. Bless me too. Do you hear the desire in Esau's voice for his father's blessing? You have a grown man, not some little effeminate, emotional mama's boy. Esau was a man's man. He hunted. He was out in the field. He was the one that was working with his hands. He was a man's man. And yet he breaks down and he cries because he's missed out on his father's blessing. All he wants is his father's blessing. Many of you know that pain. You know what it's like to strive for your parents' blessing and to never get it. Uh, 
I know this morning as we look at this passage, some of you in here don't have kids, but I think the principles of a blessing that we're going to look at are going to be applicable to you no matter what stage of life you're in, because I believe that there are friends and neighbors around you who may need this blessing, even if you don't have kids. You may have classmates that you're in school with who never received their parents' blessing, and all they need is for someone in their life to affirm them and to bless them in this way. And so as we look at these principles, I want to challenge you uh, not to just focus on what you did or didn't get from your own parents. Uh, I want you to think about who in your life can you apply these principles to. It may even be your own spouse. Wouldn't it be a great thing if you were able to bless your spouse and affirm them and build them up as we're going to see this morning? This morning, we'll be in Genesis chapter 27. Let's go back a little bit. We've seen the story of Esau, and I know this is a little bit weird because we're looking at a story of where Isaac thinks he's blessing Esau, but he's actually blessing Jacob's. But we're going to set that aside for just a moment, and we're going to look at, as, as, at this blessing as a model. What do we see in this blessing of how to give a blessing? Because the interesting thing is, if you follow individual blessings throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament, you see that this formula is used over and over and over again. And so we have a great model of what it means and what it looks like to bless our children. So let's start chapter 27 in verse uh, 26. His father Isaac said to him, Please come closer and kiss me, my son. So he came closer and kissed him. When Isaac smelled his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. May God give to you dew from the sky and from the riches of the land an abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brothers. May your mother's son bow down sons bow down to you. Those who curse you will be cursed, and those who bless you will be blessed. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had left his presence of his father Isaac, his brother Esau arrived from the hunt. And so we have here this model of of Isaac blessing his son, and the very first thing that we see is that we can bless our children through meaningful touch, through meaningful touch, The first part of blessing our kids is meaningful touch. Isaac is 40 years old, uh, excuse me, Jacob is 40 years old, and yet his dad says, come close and let me kiss you. Let me touch you. Let me put my hands on you. It's very important that we understand that even as an adult, these things are important to us. I was talking with my wife this week that uh, there's, there's something powerful about even now as a grown man going home to my parents' place, and getting a hug from mom and dad. There's just something that's, that's welcoming, that's inviting, that brings a little bit of peace to me, even as a grown man. It means a lot. And there's a number of studies that show how powerful a nurturing touch can be in someone's life. There's, in fact, a study of, of a doctor uh, who ran this little experiment at his hospital, and with one set of patients, he would go in and sit down, just very matter-of-fact, say, here's what's wrong, here are the tests that we're going to run, Uh, we hope everything works out okay, and leave the room. With the second set of patients, he would go in and sit down next to them, and he would put his hand on their knee, or he'd hold their hand, and he'd say, here's what's going on. Here are the tests that we're going to run. We're going to get through this together. And then he would leave. Well, that second set of patients, 
not only did they report that the doctor had spent more time with them, even though he had spent equal amounts of time with both sets of patients, they also healed more quickly. They healed more quickly because there was something powerful about that nurturing touch. Our triplets were born. They were 32 weeks uh, into the pregnancy when they were born. Here's Malachi getting his very first bottle. And you can see how tiny they are. They were all under five pounds. There's Charlie, little bitty Charlie with Amanda. Uh, and then the next one you'll see how tiny. Uh, that's Bear over there. And he's, he's just tiny. He was just over two pounds when he was born. And I can remember that they told us how important it was for us to hold our children because they were all born with a little bit of breathing problems. They had rapid heart rates. Their immune systems weren't built up. You can see Charlie there had a little jaundice. She's getting her tan, ready for spring break. Uh, but they told us, they said, hey, we do this thing called kangaroo time. And it's going to sound a little weird, but what we want you to do is a few hours a day, we want you to come down and, Dad, we want you to take your shirt off and the baby's just going to be in a diaper we're going to wrap you in a blanket with the baby and put that baby on your chest and have that skin-to-skin contact and just hold your babies for an hour at a time. And so we did that. And I, I was asking, there's Bear. I love that one. He looks like a little monkey. <laughs> Still is a little monkey. Uh, so we, we did that skin-to-skin contact, and they said, here's why we do this. It, it teaches them to slow down their breathing. Because they start to breathe at the same rate you breathe. It teaches them to slow down their heart rate. Because they're feeling your heart rate and naturally their body slows down their heart rate. It teaches them to regulate their temperature. And all these other cool things. They said even your your sweat and that skin-to-skin contact, you're passing on antibodies to them. Even as dad. It's important. There was healing power in that touch. There's healing power in that touch. And it's something that, that you... You can never get back when you miss those opportunities. It's so important, and I know there's a number of people here who have experienced abuse, that maybe a parent or someone else in your life took that healing, nurturing, loving touch, and they used it to abuse you. And and so touch is difficult for you. And I just want to encourage you that if if that's you, uh, I pray that you you would seek help from someone, that you would be able to get over that, and that you would say, by God's grace, I'm going to break this cycle uh, I, I'm not going to neglect my kids. I'm not going to withhold this blessing from them because it's, it's so important. It's so important. Amanda and I had a chance uh, a few years ago to go to Russia, and we visited some of these orphanages in Russia, and there were just rooms full of babies that their entire lives, uh, all they had known was they had a bottle that was put in their crib, but they were never held. And so they suffered mental, emotional, and physical difficulties because they had never been held. No one had ever taken the time to hold them and to care for them. And I think a lot of us who, who didn't receive this blessing, we think, well, I can, I can just show my love in other ways. I'll show my love in other ways, and my kids will understand that I love them. And I, I just think that that's baloney. I mean, you can't expect your kid to be Sherlock Holmes connecting the dots to try to figure out that mom and dad love me. They need your loving touch. They need you to touch them. Other times we say, well, it just makes me uncomfortable. It just makes me uncomfortable. And to that, I would say, you got to get over that. Whatever you have to do, you need to be the one to say, by God's grace, I will break this cycle. I will break out of whatever's keeping me from holding, touching, hugging my kids. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them what they need. I'm going to give them this blessing. Some people say, well, I can make it up to them in other ways. I can make it up to them in other ways. 
Like, I'll just buy them lots of toys, and, and they'll see that I love them. Have you ever hugged a Lego? Go home and hug a Lego, right? Tell me how that feels. And then hug your kids and tell me how that feels. It's different. You can't, you can't try to buy their love. They need your meaningful touch. Others say, well, I just don't want to go overboard. I've been in youth ministry for 12 years before I became a lead pastor. I've done a lot of counseling, and I have never counseled someone who comes in and says, the reason I'm so messed up is because my parents just slobbered all over me as a kid. My parents hugged me too much. My parents kissed me too much. And so now I'm messed up. That's never happened, right? It doesn't happen. We need to have that meaningful touch. In fact, Jesus sets a great example for us. In Mark chapter 10, we read about the little kids running to Jesus and the disciples try to stop them. They think Jesus is too busy for the kids and he says, no, let them come to me. And then we read that it says that he took them in his arms, he put his hands on them, and he blessed them. Jesus, the Son of God, takes these children in his arms. You know what that's called? It's called a hug. Jesus hugs these little kids. He puts his hand on them, and he blesses them. Because Jesus knew how important it was for these children to experience that meaningful touch. First thing we need to do to bless our kids is meaningful touch. The second thing that we see is that we need to bless our kids through spoken words. Through spoken words, we need to bless our kids. Proverbs 18.21 says this. It says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You understand how powerful your words are. Some of us grew up not hearing loving, kind words from our parents. Instead, we heard things like, you're such an idiot, you're so stupid, I can't believe you would do that. And we know the toll that it takes on us, that that can literally feel like death at times. Yet when we hear, I'm proud of you, I love you, good job, you've done so well that it brings life to us, and we need to realize how powerful our words are. And we've got to understand that there's a certain type of words that our kids need to hear from us. The first is they need to hear words of affection. They need to hear words of affection. They need to hear, I love you. Your kids need to hear you say, I love you. The second thing they need to hear are words of reconciliation. Words of reconciliation. They need to hear you say, I'm sorry, daddy messed up. And they need to hear you say, I forgive you. You made a mistake. I forgive you. They need to hear those words of reconciliation. They also need to hear words of vision. They need to hear us cast vision for them that you are so good at. God is going to use you in such an amazing way. They need to hear about how unique they are and how God is going to use their special uh, gifts, talents, and abilities and personality for his kingdom. They need those words of vision. They need that from us. They need to hear words of security. Uh, They need to hear you say, you are mine forever. Every time I ask my little girl, I've done this since she was little, my dad used to ask her, whose baby girl are you? And he tried to get her to say, grandpapa's. But I had more time with her, so I trained her to say, daddy's. So whose baby girl are you? Daddy's. How long are you daddy's baby girl? Forever. That's right. You are mine forever. What about when you're married? I'll still be your baby girl. And I trained the boys, uh, uh, they would always say, Who's, whose boy are you? And Amanda tried to get him to say, mama's. And, and so I said, do you want to be mama's boy or you want to be daddy's man? And they said, we want to be daddy's man. I was like, that's right, you're daddy's man. 
But Bear is smart. So I ask Bear, Bear, whose are you? Whose man are you? I'm God's man. That's right, son. You're God's man. Who, who, else, who, who else's man are you? I'm daddy's man. For how long? Forever. I'm yours forever. They need that security from us. They need to hear, it's okay. Mom and dad had an argument, but things are going to be all right. I, daddy's not going anywhere. Mommy's not going anywhere. We're going to be here. We're going to be a family forever. Uh, I can tell you um, that sometimes we mess up. And I can remember being at Mama Foo's one Sunday afternoon with our kids and uh, my mother-in-law, and we were asking the kids what they wanted to be when they grew up. And my daughter said, Daddy, I want to be a race car driver. She was three years old at the time. She said, I want to be a race car driver. And I said, oh, honey, Danica Patrick has tried that, and it has not worked out very well. And I remember her sinking back in her seat and just lowering her eyes. God forgive me for making that mistake. I saw her spirit crushed in that moment when I was trying to be funny. And I realized the power of life and death are in the tongue. And from that moment, I have never told her there isn't anything that she can't do. Now, we're realistic. I'm 5'8", my wife's 5'4", my son wants to play basketball. I'm not going to go telling him he's going to be in the NBA. That's probably not a reality. But I can find other ways to encourage him, find other ways to build him up. We have to be realistic, but they need to hear these words from us. Proverbs 3.27 says that uh, when it is in your power, don't withhold good from the one it belongs to. And let me just say this, that oftentimes silence, silence can be just as damaging as angry words. Your silence withholding those words that your kids need to hear from you can be just as damaging. And what we see is Jacob Uh, Isaac draws in his son, he holds him, he kisses him, and then he speaks words over him. The next thing we see is the importance of affirming value. The importance of value. Look at verse 27. It says, so he came closer and kissed him. And when Isaac smelled his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. The smell of my son is like the smell of the field. Isaac is saying, he says, do you know what I think of when I smell you, son? When I smell you, I think of a hard day's work. When I smell you, I think of God's provision from hunting. When I smell you, I I see you standing tall and strong in the field, that you've been working hard. That's what I think of when I smell you. This past Friday, we went to the zoo with our kids, and uh, we came home, went to a softball game, and... uh, uh, it was a late night, so they didn't get baths, and I remember kissing him, tucking him in bed, and, and I don't know about you, but for me, there's something that every time I kiss my kids on the head, I just take a little breath in, and I, I smell them. I don't know why that is. I, I, is anybody else do that, or am I the only? Okay, good, good. Other people out there do it. I, it's just like instinctual for me, but I smell them, and they smell like outside, and some of you are thinking, well, that's not very good. You're a horrible parent. You need to bathe your child. Uh, but I smell them, and they smell like outside. And I can remember looking each of them in the eyes. I was talking to Charlie, and I said, Charlie, you smell like outside. And she kind of got worried, and I said, oh, that's a great thing. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me when we go camping. She got a big smile on her face. She said, Daddy, I love camping with you. I went, and I, I kissed Malachi goodnight. I said, Malachi, you smell like outside. And he said, you know, he got that kind of nervous look, like, are you going to make me get up and take a bath? And I said, no, no, no. It reminds me of when we went hunting together. And he goes, yeah, Daddy, and I got to hold the dove. Yeah, buddy. 
And I kissed Bear. I said the same thing. And he goes, Daddy, are we going to go hunting again? Yeah, buddy. We're going to go hunting again. But when I smell you, I think about all those good times. And I bless them through my words. I, I affirm their value. Your kids need to hear you affirm their value. Every day, I, each, I tell each one of our kids what they're good at. Uh, we've got kids that are different. At, uh, they're good and they're unique and they're different in many, many ways. And so I find the one thing that they did that day, Malachi loves to draw. And he'll draw a million pictures every single day. And we tell him, you get to keep one. The rest have to go away. Um, but I tell him how good he is at drawing. Charlie is so good with her little sister. I tell her that someday she's going to be a great mom. She's so good and how helpful she is. Bear loves to run, jump, and climb, and, and he wants to play tackle football. And so I tell him how good he is at running and jumping and climbing. And you should see their faces light up when all they hear are those affirming words. Proverbs talks about how children are like arrows in a quiver and how valuable they are to the warrior. And I started to think about that verse this week about children being the arrows in the quiver. And if you think about it back then, they didn't mass produce arrows. Every arrow was handcrafted by that warrior, by that hunter, and each one was unique. And so when, when the warrior would go out and he would practice with his bow and arrow, he would shoot the arrow, and if he missed his target, he didn't just leave it. He went and he picked up his, his arrow because it was valuable to him. It was valuable to him. It was unique in its own special way. Our kids need those affirming words. They need to hear how they're valuable to our family. Give your kids a job, even if it's something small. Our kids wash the dishes, and when they wash the dishes, I say, do you understand how valuable it is to your mommy and especially your daddy, that you would do the dishes? Do you know how much it means to us when you make your bed that we don't have to come in and make it for you? You are so valuable to this family. When you run and grab diapers off the changing table and bring them downstairs to us so that daddy can finish watching the basketball game, you are so valuable to us. And it makes them feel important when they have a job and we tell them how valuable they are. The next thing we see in verse 28 is that we need to give them spiritual encouragement. Listen to what Jacob uh, Isaac says to Jacob, he says, May God give you the dew from the sky, and from the riches of the land, an abundance of grain and new wine. Now we, we look at this and we think, okay, so he's just telling him that he wants all these good things for him. Uh, but really what he's saying is, hey, I am casting vision for you. I want you to understand that all these good things in your life are coming from God. You need to understand that all these things are coming from God's hand. When he blesses you, I want you to understand that. And, and most of us, we're really good at encouraging our kids in their sports. We're good at encouraging their kids in, in their, their studies at school, their education. We're really good at encouraging our kids in their social lives. But how many of us are good at encouraging our kids in their spiritual walk with God? How many of us take the time to sit down with our kids and say, you know, I see this in you and I think God is going to use your personality in a powerful way. I can't wait to see what you do for God's kingdom as you get older. How many of us do that? Deuteronomy 6, we have the, the great Shema of, of Israel, and it says that we're to remind our kids, we're to, to repeat these commands daily, we're to talk about them when we sit at home and, and when we walk along the road, that throughout our life we're to, we're to do what we can to interject some God talk into our kids' lives. We need to cast spiritual vision for them. We need to encourage them spiritually. The last thing we see is that we need to cast a prosperous vision. 
going again to verse 28 through 29, it says, May God give you the dew from the sky and from the riches of the land and abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brothers. May your mother's sons bow down to you. Those who curse you will be cursed and those who bless you will be blessed. Here we have Jacob, uh, Isaac giving Jacob a prosperous vision for his life. He says, here is what God is going to do for you. And unfortunately, I think most of us, when we think of a prosperous vision, we think, I want my kids to be rich, want them to live in a nice house, in a nice neighborhood, and have a good job. I want worldly success for my kids. How many of us would rather have our kids be successful than significant? Think about that. Would you rather have your kids be successful by the world standards or significant for the kingdom of God? We need to be encouraging our kids that a prosperous vision doesn't just mean being successful by the world standards. It means being significant for the kingdom of God. That they have a part to play, that God has something for them. So those are the five parts of the blessing. Those are the five parts of the blessing And I think some of you are sitting here and you're realizing that I I never got that. I never got that in my life. So what am I supposed to do? And, And how do I avoid making the same mistakes? Because you realize that without the blessing, what happens is we start to seek that blessing in other places. Some people don't get the blessing from their parents and and they turn to trying to earn the blessing. They become workaholics. Because all they need, all they desire is for their boss or for someone to say, wow, you work so hard. I'm so proud of you. And they're trying to earn that blessing in some way. Others search for it in other places. That's why we see so many teenagers getting into gangs. Um, People that are drafted into cults are often the ones who never had those affirming words at home. Do some research on human trafficking. The girls that are often abducted are the ones... Uh, they're looking for a specific type of girl. So what they do is they give them a compliment. And if the girl looks down and is embarrassed, they know that they can probably keep complimenting her and get them in the vehicle. But if she looks at them because she's received compliments before, she looks at them and just says thank you and keeps walking, they don't bother because they realize that here's a girl who's been blessed at home. She's got that affirmation. We're not going to waste our time on her. It's significant. It's significant. Uh, other times it leads to isolation that people just withdraw, or they become angry. How many times have we heard that conversation with teenagers? Why are you acting this way? Why don't you want to be a part of our family? The reality is they, they probably don't know. They can't vocalize what's going on. But somewhere along the way, they haven't gotten that affirmation. And so they withdraw from mom and dad, and they begin to seek it in their peer group. And they start turning to their friends. And that's when they start to make sometimes questionable decisions. It's important that we... That we give them this. Uh, Without it, we have a difficult time answering three questions. Who am I? Question of identity. Number two, why am I here? That question of security. And number three, where am I going? And without the blessing, we find ourselves spending a lot of time and energy trying to answer those questions because we never had a mom and dad say, I love you. You are mine. You are a child of God. We never had the security and we never had the confidence that they instilled in us. And so our time and energy goes into that. So what are we supposed to do? What do we do if we don't have the blessing? How do you live without the blessing? The first thing you need to do is you need to hear from your spiritual leaders. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11 says this, 
Paul says, as you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to walk worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul here is talking to some people where he planted a church, and he says, listen, you know how we loved and invested in you. You need to listen to your spiritual leaders. And at River Rock Bible Church, that looks like, that means getting into a small group. Being in a community group where your leaders are going to be pouring into you and they're going to be telling you, you know what potential I see in you? Man, I think you would be really good at this. Do you, do you know what spiritual gift I see in you? Man, you are really good at hospitality. How are you going to use that? Man, you are loved. We're so glad that you're a part of our group. I, I would encourage you, first step is to get involved in a community group. Second thing I would say is, is if you're not in a discipleship relationship, Get in one. Get in one. We've got uh, uh, groups that are forming soon. And if you're invited into one of those groups, man, you need to jump at the chance to be in one of those discipleship groups because you're going to get the blessing through that group. You're going to receive the blessing from those spiritual leaders. You need to seek out your elders. Ask to meet with your elders. Ask to eat, meet with your pastors. We want to bless you. You need to seek blessing from your spiritual leaders. The second thing I would say is the most important, which is you need to hear from your heavenly Father. You need to hear from your heavenly Father. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, But all who did receive him, that is Jesus, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believed in his name. If you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. You are a child of God, and when he looks at you, he sees his own son, very own son, Jesus Christ. He sees you in that same way. And I think it's important that we look at the words that God speaks from heaven to Jesus at his baptism. He says this in Matthew chapter 3. He says, after Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down. And there came a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son. I take delight in him. Translation, I memorized it in, says, this is my beloved. My son, whom I love, in him I am well pleased. And if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, then when our heavenly Father looks at you, he says, you are my child. I love you. I am well pleased with you. I am well pleased with you. The creator of this universe, when he looks at you, he says, you are mine. I love you. I'm proud of you. Some of you hearing those words today are realizing how much that means to you because you've never heard that before. As we close this morning and we move to our time of take two, um, this is a time where we just take a few minutes and we write down some things that God is saying to us through this morning's message. I just want to, again, remind you how important it is for us to bless the people around us, that we would bless our children this past week, I received an email from one of my high school teachers. I only had him for one year when I was in choir. And he, uh, he emailed me and said, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I, I just wanted to, to share some things with you. And he shared a memory with me from one time when I was sitting in his office in high school. And he said, man, I knew then that God was going to use you. I'm so proud of the work that you're doing uh, as a church planter. And as a grown man, 34 years old, someone I hadn't talked to since I graduated high school 16 years ago, receiving that letter from a man that I looked up to in high school, 
I can't tell you how much it meant to me to receive that letter and to receive that blessing even 16 years later. We need to receive those blessings. We need to be the people that give those blessings. If you're here this morning and you have kids, you need to do whatever you can to make sure they receive those blessings. Think through, which one of these five areas am I lacking in? How can I bless my kids deeper in that area? If you have nieces, nephews, grandkids, uh, children on your street, think through, how can I bless them in this way? Some of you guys are in high school and college, and I can guarantee you that there are classmates around you that are hurting because they never got that blessing. They haven't gotten that blessing from mom and dad, and they need you to come alongside of them, sit with them at lunch, put your arm around them when they're struggling and say, I'm so glad that you're my friend. I'm so glad that that we get to go to school together. Man, you are so good at math. You are so good at whatever. They need to receive that blessing from you. Some of you are realizing that you never got that blessing, and I want to encourage you to seek that blessing. If your parents are still alive and you didn't get that blessing, man, sit down and just say, Mom, Dad, this isn't easy, but are you proud of me? Like, can I just hear you say that you're proud of me? Do you love me? Ask for that blessing. Get involved. Listen to your spiritual leaders. And most importantly, listen to your heavenly Father. And if you're here this morning and have not put your trust in Jesus Christ, I would encourage you that that is the place to start. That you would start by saying, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I'm putting my trust in him that through him I'll be forgiven. And that moment you put your trust in him, listen to the voice of your heavenly Father. Listen as he says, you are my child whom I loved, and you I am well pleased. What is your next step today? What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? Let's take two.